Welcome to Apologetics with Brian O'Connell, where in each episode I answer difficult questions that confront Christianity. In today's episode, we're going to be addressing a common argument that's often made, which is that throughout history, science has oftentimes been obstructed by religion. However, what I want to do through this episode is to present evidence showing that religion has not hindered science. The following two historical examples are often given by people who hold to an evolutionary worldview in order to show that the church is regularly wrong in matters of science. These two examples are Christopher Columbus and Galileo. A very important event in world history is the voyage of Christopher Columbus and his discovery of the New World. Although this voyage is a historical event, the way it's often presented is not accurate. For example, it's often understood that Columbus had to overcome the religious Stoics of his day in order to prove to these unintelligent religious fanatics that the world was round and not flat. According to this understanding of world history, it was the intelligent and scientific Columbus versus the unintelligent and superstitious church. It was the facts of science versus the fairy tales and faith of religion. Another similar example is the events surrounding the famous trial of Galileo. It's often argued that it was the brilliance of Galileo versus the stupidity of the church, that Galileo was being treated as a heretic because he was going against the Bible and the church. According to this view, It's another example of an intellectual scientific martyr versus the unintelligent and ruthless religious leaders. Has the church always been on the wrong side of history? Does religion act as an obstacle to the truth of science? According to the representations of these two historical events, it does. However, these events, as just described, do not represent the actual historical events. For example, in the story of Christopher Columbus, historical documents show that the shape of the earth and whether or not the earth was flat or round was not the cause of debate. Instead, the argument was over the size of the earth. Those that were arguing against the voyage were citing Ptolemy, who was an ancient astronomer mathematician, and geographer. Based on Ptolemy's measurements, the circumference of the earth was too great for the type of voyage Columbus was proposing. The debate was over how much the voyage would cost and whether or not Columbus would actually be able to make the voyage. The argument was never over whether or not the ships would sail off the edge of the earth. In fact, since the time of the ancients, like Pythagoras in 530 BC, Plato, between 428 to 348 B.C., or Aristotle, between 384 to 322 B.C., as well as others, it was understood that the earth was round. And this includes religious and non-religious thinkers. The belief that Christopher Columbus embarked on his courageous journey as a scientific savior in order to prove that religious leaders were unintelligent and unscientific was completely false. Now, you might be asking, 
If the ancients and contemporaries of Columbus believed that the world was spherical, then where did this false understanding come from? Well, this erroneous view of history was actually introduced over 300 years after Columbus set sail for the New World. This fable was introduced in 1828 by Washington Irving. Irving was the author of tales such as Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and he introduced this fictional tale in his book The Life and Voyages of Christopher Columbus. For anyone that wants more information on this topic, they should read the book Inventing the Flat Earth by Dr. Jeffrey Burton Russell. Now, although there's zero truth to the claim that Columbus set sail to prove that the world was round, this view of history is oftentimes taught to students. In fact, over the years, I've encountered many people that compare modern-day Christians to the religious leaders of Columbus's day. They say things like, Christians today ignore the facts of science just like they did during the time of Columbus. But statements like this show a lack of historical knowledge. Now let's turn our attention to Galileo. Did the church attack Galileo due to his scientific ideas? Was this an account of science versus religion? When looking at the historical events surrounding Galileo's trial, it's revealed that there were multiple issues at play. I should note that I'm not going to dive down deep into the actions of the church in this episode. The point of this episode is not to give a historical overview of the Catholic Church, but rather to present arguments that show that the issues were not about science versus religion, but was in fact science versus science. The reason for this is because this is the argument that's often made in modern times by evolutionists. They claim that the church has always been on the wrong side of scientific history. Evolutionists argue that the church persecuted Galileo due to his scientific views, and that the church to this day continues to oppose science. However, this is far from the truth. Let's look at this further. Going back to the issues at play, first, it was not the science of Galileo versus the faith of the church. If you're unfamiliar with what took place, the issue facing Galileo was that he was writing about Copernicanism. Copernicanism was the belief that the earth and the planets all revolve around the sun. This is referred to as heliocentrism. And this is our understanding of the solar system today. This idea of the heliocentric solar system was first presented in 1543 by Nicholas Copernicus. Although Copernicus was the one to first present the idea of a heliocentric universe based on his scientific studies, it was Galileo that was able to prove the beliefs of Copernicus correct. Galileo proved Copernicus correct through the use of a telescope that he had invented, which was able to enlarge objects by 20 times. It was only after Galileo began writing about his findings that he was brought to trial. Now I should point out that there are two parts behind the reasoning for the trial. First, 
The main reason for the conflict was that the views of Copernicus, as well as Galileo, actually went against the science of the time. For example, prior to Galileo and Copernicus, scientists understood the universe to be geocentric. Geocentric was the belief that the sun and planets all revolve around the earth. In fact, the geocentric view was first proposed by Aristotle and later mathematically refined by Ptolemy. This was a major debate. The argument was not over the science of Galileo and Copernicus versus the faith and beliefs of the church. The debate was between the science of Aristotle and Ptolemy versus the science of Copernicus and Galileo. To say that the church was anti-science is inaccurate. In fact, in their book, When Science and Christianity Meet, David Lindbergh and Ronald Numbers point out the following. They write that Copernicus had been talked into publishing his book by various friends, including ecclesiastical officials. Another interesting point that Lindbergh and Numbers make is that Copernicus dedicated his book, Revolutions, to the Pope. Now, this brings up another question. If Copernicus dedicated his book to the Pope, and there was no controversy, then why did Galileo get into so much trouble? Well, the reason for Galileo's problems were due to the event that took place between the time of Copernicus and Galileo. This major event, or events, depending on how you look at it, was the Protestant Reformation. As a result of the Reformation, the church became extremely cautious. The church became extremely guarded. However, this was not the only reason for Galileo's conflict. Historical records show that Galileo's actions also led to his trial. Now, I should also mention that there was a theological issue at play, and this theological issue was why Galileo was accused of heresy. The problem for Galileo was that there were people within the church that viewed heliocentrism as opposing the Word of God in passages such as Psalm 93, verse 1. For example, at the end of this psalm, it says that the world is established and cannot be moved. It's from this verse and others like it, which troubled theologians who thought that the views of Galileo were contradicting Scripture. However, in no way does this verse or any other verse in the Bible teach geocentrism. In fact, in an article by James Johnson titled Sloppy Religion and Sloppy Science, he points out that the phrase translated, it cannot be moved, in Psalm 93 verse 1, means that the earth cannot be yanked away or pulled off course from its divinely prescribed and established program of movements, as opposed to describing a state of absolute motionlessness. As this quote by Johnson clearly shows, in no way is this verse a passage that is making a geocentric statement. But this poor interpretation of Scripture added to the reason that Galileo was brought to trial. I should note that the Catholic Church poorly interpreted many parts of Scripture, which is what led to the Protestant Reformation by Martin Luther and others like him. As I said, although there was a theological component at play with Galileo's trial, 
it was not the main issue at play. The main issue was that not only was Galileo saying things that seemed to go against the Bible, he was saying things that contradicted traditional science and showing complete disregard to an agreement he had with the Pope. Now, you might be thinking, Brian, how could you make the claim that theology played a small part, but that science and Galileo's personality played the biggest role in Galileo's trial? I say this because of what historical records show. Something that doesn't receive much attention is the fact that Pope Urban VIII and Galileo had become acquaintances. In fact, Pope Urban gave Galileo permission to write a book on the subject of cosmology. According to historical letters, the major problem for Galileo was his insubordination. Even though Galileo had been given certain privileges by the Pope, Galileo took advantage of his privileges and disregarded the wishes of the Pope. The church cracked down on Galileo due to his insubordination and as a result of the Protestant Reformation. Something that's also important to note, which Lindbergh and Numbers points out, is that Galileo was never actually charged with any offense and was never declared to be a heretic. They also point out the following. They write, Galileo's personality was a consistent and important factor. Indeed, it seems clear that had he played his cards differently, with more attention to diplomacy, Galileo might well have carried out a significant campaign on behalf of heliocentrism without condemnation. So, as I bring this episode to a close, let me bring us back to the question at hand. Has the church always been on the wrong side of science? Has the church always opposed science. I hope you can see from these two examples that I shared that the church has not opposed science. In fact, I hope you can see that a thorough study of history will show that science has flourished as a result of the church. Not only that, but I hope that you'll see that when people make these kinds of claims, they're showing a lack of accurate historical knowledge. That's all the time that we have for today. Come back next time as we look at other fields of science to see how they point to a creator. God bless.